When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, the one and only The Rich Eisen Show. Now Stroud hanging in. Throws it to the near side. Hit and go. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Uh, one mistake on, on, on national television just blows it all up. But, like, it's cool. I just keep growing and keep learning, man. The Rich Eisen Show. What can you tell in preseason? What you see in preseason is everything. Today's guests. Senior writer for the MMQB, Albert Breer. Author and CNN host, Jake Tapper. Co-host of Good Morning Football, Jason McCourty. And now... It's Rich Eisen. Hey, yes it is. Welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. Live on the Roku channel. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. I'm sitting here at the desk on Sirius XM Odyssey. And of course, this Rich Eisen Show terrestrial radio affiliate smart enough to have us. We've got NFL preseason football in the bank from last night. And we have, hold on a minute, let me get this right. I think I know it off the top of my head, but I just want to be accurate. I don't just say things into this microphone. Six games tonight, six of them. Six preseason games tonight, six on Saturday, two on Sunday. As a, a goat once said, LFJ. Football's back. Albert Breer is about to call us uh, in about uh, 18 minutes' time. He was in Gillette last night watching Houston versus New England. <laughs> He's not missing up a chance to watch C.J. Stroud play football, and he can actually get a press pass for it and, <laughs> and go ahead and expense things to Sports Illustrated watching C.J. Stroud. <laughs> Jason McCourty of Good Morning Football, along with Devin McCourty, had a Twins cast last night of that game. That He'll cool. join us in hour number three. That was great. Uh, and then in hour number two, Jake Tapper of CNN, one of my good friends, the anchor of The Lead with Jake Tapper and the author, I don't know how he has time to do this, quite frankly, of all the demons are here. He's joining us in the middle of this program. What's more likely in the middle of this program as well? So much going on. We got Phil News everywhere. Mickelson, Rivers, what the hell's going on? <laughs> if your name's Phil, you gotta have your head on a swivel. Your name's in a headline. Uh, 844-204-RICHES. The the Good to see you over there, Chris Brockman. How are you? Rich, poopy butt. Shout out my son, Cage. And uh, I'm just wondering when I can get my Malik Cunningham jersey. What was that? He wanted me to say poopy butt. Good to see you, DJ Mikey Diaz and D's Nuts. What's going on? I don't have poopy butt, but good morning, Rich. TJ Jefferson, don't say those words, please. You've already heard it twice. I won't, but so Good to see Phil you. McGraw, Phil Jackson, there you uh, go. Philip Lamar, they should I be, like have it. their heads on the swivel. There. I like it. Okay. Malik Cunningham, when can I get that jersey? I was about to say, I mean, look, not, this is the beauty of, uh, of of National Football League uh, preseason action. You know, everybody thinks that they have a shot to win the Super Bowl. 
And there's a new Hall of Famer in New England. His name is Malik Cunningham. Congratulations. You got yourself a winner Thank, right there. Thanks, Rich. As you long know, as he's going against a bunch of guys who aren't going to be exactly. playing in the NFL, I, I it's going to be great. A, I texted a high-level analyst friend of ours uh, who may frequent this show often, and I wrote, Malik Cunningham should be the backup. He wrote, preseason, stop. He's playing against bartenders and truck drivers. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> No. <laughs> Ladies and disrespect. gentlemen, the disrespect is real. The disrespect is real. But you know what? Though? I was he's, excited. Here's what he's doing. He's trying to get a gig with the New England Patriots. Uh, come heck or high water, he's playing wide receiver too. He's doing two things. And so, I mean, he's do your job. There's just more you Absolutely. can do. Absolutely. And I'm sure the Patriots are looking at him, and fans of the Patriots are looking at him and saying, "That sure looks better than everything else we saw tonight." <laughs> You know, and yep. Mac Jones suited up. God bless him. He suited. Does I, that guy love football or what? He loves football, but I just again, these are the observations I have. Uh, so, so you come out of this saying <laughs> the Patriots' offense stinks, and so does C.J. Stroud. You take a look yeah. at what the the Vikings and the and the the Seahawks did last night on NFL Network, and uh, honestly, you got to get these kids reps. People have to break sweats. They got to get back in the swing of things. Play calling is not easy to do when it's the first time for. Uh, a bunch of players receiving yeah. the play and cadence and things of that nature. It looks easy to us. We're just getting ready for our fantasy football drafts and getting upset about, you know, our positioning in that and trying to look at what players might be available and where, you know. Meanwhile, the rest of the National Football League is going about their business. But congratulations, Chris, where, where, where there is sometimes no hope come some undrafted kid out of Louisville. Just lighten it up. Just a little bit of running it th- running in a touchdown in the fourth quarter, only touchdown of the night for the New England Patriots. But the thing is like why 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 can't the Patriots just, you know, let Mac Jones cook. No, not cook. Just it, it it's like they he suits up and then doesn't play in a preseason game like he actually suited up. Well, he was never going to play as ESPN. Right, said I know. So put a headset day. on him and let him call plays and have fun like everybody else does with their starting quarterbacks. No, nope, nope, nope. That's not Kirk, them, Kirk huh? Cousins no pocket hats, no Gilligan hats in Kirk Denver, Cousins, and no did headsets. You see Kirk, Kirk had no pads but had a helmet on. What, what's the point of impressive. that? Impressive. That's even stupider. This and, is uh, not only, having full pads and knowing you're not going to play. Not only having the helmet on, the helmet was strapped tight. It wasn't just like it was like, no. <laughs> He had it strapped up, Rich. But it's, it, it just, was, to, just to bring it all full circle, it. it's like a three-and-a-half-year-old. I'm sure Cage had his helmet on last night and was running around the house. He was ready to go. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like that's... <laughs> but he also but it just, was not it's, playing. It's just great to see. It's great to see. It's very exciting. And, um, and you know, I, I, honestly, I don't know what to glean out of any of that. Uh, other probably than, uh, not a lot. Not a lot. You're just breaking sweats and getting it going. And it's interesting. It was good to see Bill O'Brien back on a sideline yeah. and... Bill yeah. Earholing officials. It, well, <laughs> like, let me get into it. Let me just do it. Let okay. me do it. Let okay. me do it. Because okay. the, it is it is preseason for the officials, too. Yep. But uh, great midseason. They're in midseason form last night. There was a roughing the passer penalty on the second series of C.J. Stroud's, second and final series of C.J. Stroud's night last night. Patriots got called for it. Third and long. I mean, it's perfect. It wasn't like a first down or a second down. It's it's a third down. Patriots getting off the field. They completed their their mission on defense. No, like rough in the passer. And then you look at the replay, and it's just like, okay, the left arm of the defender did make contact with the helmet, but it wasn't swung hard. 
And it wasn't the the way he got the quarterback down. <laughs> it was incidental contact on an otherwise excellent defensive play. Out comes the flag, and it's just like, can we just please not do this anymore? Yeah. Not do this anymore. I can't do another season. A- and it was a perfect mid-season call, and I'm sure the league would push back and say an arm made contact with the helmet, and it's just like there's no common sense. And I'll just say it again. Please, please use replay. Use it. You've got it. They no doubt have the ability while they're just, when flag is thrown, go and huddle up with your fellow officials. Yep. You know, talk, talk about honestly. Talk no, 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 not even this. Not even the it. You can talk the playoff maybe. Do the full on Bull Durham. Like talk about candlesticks and wedding <laughs> registries. Make it look like you're talking about the play while they're looking at the actual play and getting in your ear and saying, pick the flag up. Again, these plays don't happen on first and ten. It's always third and you know and long and and bailing teams out. I feel like it literally took six snaps for me to snap sitting on my couch. <laughs> I was in midseason form. So, speaking of what's old is new again. What did I tell you coming back from the combine of my top rumors? That Tom Brady was going to come back? That was the number one. <laughs> He's thinking about it. Or keep an eye on it. Keep an yeah. eye. Keep an ear. All right. We're still we're still keeping eyes out, and he's Instagramming out cats and zebras. <laughs> Amazing <laughs> you know? safari. Uh, remarkable. Jeez. And then earlier on in, uh, in, the, in the winter, his new cat. That's great. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Remember that? Cat dead. Cats in the winter, zebras in the summer. He's owning mm-hmm. Vegas Living teams. Living the life. Yeah, baby. Another one was Philip Rivers. Being contacted, mm. right? And uh, I guess Philly Riv said something on a podcast that he was going to play for the 49ers in the Super Bowl if they had made it. <laughs> like what? <laughs> I'm telling you, I heard that Philip Rivers was in the mix last year. And um, the Niners and Kyle Shanahan, <laughs> he confirmed it. He confirmed it. I think we have that soundbite. Roll it. He was prepared to. Yeah, now, the stuff we talked about throughout the whole year, you know, we would have had to seen how that was for the Super Bowl, but that was the plan most of the year. It would have been. It would have been. The whole year. So here's the thing. Because the story, it makes it sound like, during the middle of the NFC Championship game, Kyle Shanahan had an epiphany. If we get out of this alive somehow, if we come back on these Eagles with Josh Johnson, or we come back on these Eagles with Christian McCaffrey doing wildcat stuff and Brock Purdy, one on Brock Purdy, okay? (laughs) If we somehow get out of this alive, Phillip Rivers, we got to call him down in Alabama. And somebody called him during the game, say, hey, Phil, if we get out of this alive, are you up for it? Loosen up. But this was, again, Trey Lance goes and gets carted off. Jimmy Garoppolo does his thing. And the backup to Jimmy Garoppolo is a kid who's the last pick in the draft. 
the entire time they were probably calling up Alabama, talking to the high school coach, Philip, saying, hey, Phil, how you feeling? You want to stay healthy? You want to stay in this mix? Let's keep co- having a conversation because if Jimmy goes down, we got to start this kid. We love him, but we got to start this kid. Maybe we need you. And as you know, Philip is one of those guys. He's not just going to leave his high school team in the lurch. He's got to finish that season, which meant like December. And they were talking to him. And then Purdy started winning games. And they're like, all right, let's run with this plan. That's what this sounds like to me. And the interesting thing is, you might be sitting here going, really? They'd reach out to Phillip Rivers and throw him in a game that is the most important game of the year, <laughs> like the, the Super Bowl? Like, really? <laughs> well, their reasoning behind having Philip there in case of emergency, you break the Philip Rivers glass, proved out in the NFC Championship game, did it not? Let me ask you a question. Yes. When you were watching that, <laughs> when you were watching that <laughs> NFC Championship game and you're seeing Josh Johnson get lit up and you're seeing Poor guy. Christian McCaffrey running offensive plays from the Benny Friedman era, okay? And you're, by the way, he's an old school. Quick look up Benny Benny Friedman Friedman is a pro football Hall of Famer who was one of the uh, creators of the modern pass. And uh, he went to the University of Michigan. Oh. Don't you know? Born in 1905. Nice nice reference. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Benny. Running plays from those old school days. And then let's see if Purdy with one arm can come in there and noodle a pass every now and then. Do you think they could have used Phillip Rivers in that game? Phillip Rivers, having not played in a long time. Phillip Rivers, who, as we saw in his final game as a Colt, needing to throw a Hail Mary, needed an actual legit Hail Mary to be answered (laughs) for the ball to reach the end zone. Would you have chosen that Phillip Rivers in that instance, over what they needed in the NFC Championship game? Uh, yes. Hell yes, uh-huh. you would have. Yes, 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 yes. Would they have beaten the Cowboys? And again, oh. just the latest example. No. I'll just say this too, and I'm, I'm sure they're not the only team to think this way, but they are. this is their MO. Latest example of how there are no wrong answers. Only good questions. Hey, do you think Philip? We you think we need Philip? Like 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 the minute Lance went down, it could have been maybe even in training camp. I don't know. I'd love to know when the genesis, the germ was planted of let's keep Philip on the on the hook here. And the latest example of you know, let's keep thinking outside of the box for the San Francisco 49ers. Let's let's. Let's get Brock Purdy ready. Let's play Brock Purdy. Let's start Brock Purdy again. Okay? Let's get Sam Darnold. Let's get him ready. Let's keep Trey Lance. Let's see what he can do. Last year, it was Trey Lance's start and come heck or high water. Now, this time, it's like, let's keep Trey Lance because you never know when you might might need him. And who knows? Maybe he takes them to the Super Bowl anyway because this team can win it. It's just, I love this story. It just fascinates me completely. That would have been incredible. Philip Rivers would have been 
one of the greatest interviews in the history of Super Bowl media night. He would have had more people around his podium than maybe Brock Purdy. Yeah. Old man Rivers coming out of retirement. High school co I mean, that is a that's a movie. Yeah. That's a Disney. You know, movie put yeah, right you're right. Take your headset off, coach. Come on in, play in the Super Bowl, wing it around Win and MVP. beat Patrick Mahomes. God, that would have been amazing. Dude. <laughs> that would have been incredible. You imagine if that had happened? I really can't. <laughs> and again, so awesome. it would have happened for sure that Rivers would have been there. Not that he would have beaten Mahomes, but would have been there had the Niners somehow gotten out of Philadelphia alive on that day. And I think had they beaten Philly, had somehow, some way. I believe it was Hassan Reddick who blew it up. Destroyed. Brock and Purdy. hit Purdy in the arm that changed the entire game. There it is. Because if I'm not mistaken, Purdy, I think, did he have Ayuk open? He had somebody open. I that, think it might have been a touchdown, too. Right. If he hits him. And instead, Reddick got there yeah. in the nick of time and more than nicked up Purdy that if – I'll go full Debo here. Had Purdy stayed healthy, Niners win. Phillip would have been signed for the Super Bowl because Jimmy G wasn't going to go. You know Jimmy G wasn't going to go. They had to delay a press conference in Vegas because Jimmy G's health was in question when he signed a contract with his new team. Because... His foot required surgery. Phillip would have been in the Super Bowl, man. And his Dodd Gummits and all of that stuff. <laughs> getting out there and getting in the face and, you know, he would have found Jay Cutler somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> Even though Jay wasn't anywhere in Arizona. I love that story. It's so fascinating to me. Latest example. Niners are always thinking outside the box. B, you never know. You never do. 844-204-RICH. Number to dial on this program. Let's take a break. Albert Breer will be joining us after watching last night's preseason opener in New England and getting us ready for the rest of the weekend. Who's playing? Who's not? Jordan Love getting it going for sure for Green Bay, it looks like. Let's talk to Breer about all of this good stuff from Sports Illustrated next. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed just want to get personal for a second here. Oh, you know, uh, it took me a while hosting this show to know, and Susie kept on hammering at me saying, you know, sometimes you have to put yourself out there and, you know, book your own guests if you need or, you know, ask things of people, a favor to come on and do stuff. And it was tough to figure that out. And part of the reason why I put myself out there is when you ask for something and the person doesn't come through for you, it really it really puts you in a bind. Like, how do you handle something like that? Like, for instance, if you ask somebody to shoot a video for you and they don't, it might call in a question, say, the friendship bracelet they made you at 2 in the morning with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And we asked Andrew Whitworth, when you go to the Taylor Swift finale here in Ah. Los Angeles on Wednesday night, will you shoot a video of you screaming out lyrics on a selfie because that's what all NFL players do. We've seen Aiden Hutchinson did it. We saw Aaron Rodgers do it. And if you're an NFL person becoming a Swifty, you need to do that video. He said he would do it. And he did. Thank goodness. (laughs) He's not. He sort of doesn't know the words. That's fine. That's it's fine. Really, it's, it's really. It's got a watermelon in it through. Yeah. It's the fine. thought that counts. Yeah, absolutely. His kids are his. You know, no. again, I asked him what he would sing. He said, "Cool summer." I had to say, "It's cruel summer." You know, he's he's still he's still learning how to become a Swifty, but the kids are enjoying it, and so is Wit. And <laughs> and he tagged us in everything as promised. He's a man of his word. He's a Walter Payton man of his word. <laughs> That's funny. Well done, Whit. <laughs> See, I still got your friendship bracelet on, too. <laughs> Back here on the Rich Eisen Show radio network with the Roku channel live stream all at once. I'm sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Of course, he's going to use whatever he can do professionally to go see C.J. Stroud play a football game. Of course he's going to get a press pass. <laughs> so when I heard Albert's like, I'm on my way to Gillette to go watch C.J. Stroud's premiere, I'm like, of course he is. And he's joining us here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you, Albert? How you doing? It was too easy for me. It was right down the street. I'm not saying I would have traveled for it, but uh, it, was, I mean, it might have been poor form if I hadn't shown up with it right down the street. You would have. You, know? you would have paid Sports Illustrated to do this last night. It's one of those moments, right, for you, Albert? <laughs> no right? comment. It's one of those moments for you. Yeah, and then... it was. Uh, 
Yeah. It, was all, it was all rough. It was all rough. Wasn't wasn't wasn't. I, I don't think it's what we're going to see at SCJ Stroud long term. But of course, you know, it's a good example of it's a good example of what these preseason games have become, and you know, sort of the risk that you take. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, Bill Belichick didn't put Mac Jones out there. You know, and I think part of it is they only had, I believe, and whether that guy's a starter is debatable. And it was the same with CJ Stroud. Both the ta- both the starting tackles weren't there. Um, their veteran starting guard wasn't there. Uh, they had two starters that were in the lineup on the offensive line. Um, and one of them's a rookie, you know, and she was Scruggs out of Penn State. So um, I think, you know, you sort of, you know, expect some of this. And, um, you know, I don't think it's a mistake that D'Amico Ryan's got him out of there pretty quickly. But Yeah, and, and um, I'm, I'm with you, know, you, Albert. Not a lot to chew on there. Of course. Yeah. Of course. I'm with you. And plus, you know, it, it, he, he at least learned to find his Michigan man first in Nico Collins. So he's got that <laughs> for him. But it, but in, in all seriousness, though, he's got – he can't put on a Texans helmet and uniform – and play a game for the Texans for the first time at Baltimore in week one. Like going against Belichick without starting tackles and without it is is kind of like throwing him in a very deep end of the pool and learning how to swim. I, I and and he he handled it. I think he handled it very well after the game too. I mean, you gotta do it. This is what when you're drafting second overall quarterback. This is what you got to do. End of story. And um, and 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 then they won the game, which has got to feel good about you know the entire unit getting on a plane to fly back home. So uh, I, I get you totally. That's the way it works, you know. Yeah, and I I, I mean it's um it, it's going to be interesting to see the way it goes with all the rookie quarterbacks because I, I do know you know this really goes back to 2008 when, when Matt Ryan and Joe Flacco had all the success that they had as rookies where. even like not even about like what's best for those guys you know like I just I don't know like I I was having an interesting conversation with Matt LaFleur about sitting Jordan Love and um you know he said to me I I said so you know you feel good about the decision to sit him for three years then and his answer to me was I think every quarterback could use this he's like because it's so hard out there for rookies to succeed and a lot of these guys get in a situation, get thrown in situations where they're on bad teams. And um, I don't know if that's necessarily the case with the three guys this year, but uh, they lose confidence. They lose. You want to put them on hold there? It's hard to get that confidence back. Are you there? Are you Albert? You're cutting in and out. I don't know if you're in that I'm part. Of, if you're in that part of Massachusetts, that's a problem. I don't know. Um, which is, I'm, here. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, can I can you hear, hear you. So yeah. So um, okay. you just mentioned how um, you know you spoke to Matt Lafleur about you know sitting Jordan Love and that 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 was a no brainer, right? I mean, so and Aaron right. Rodgers winning two MVPs. Uh, while you're sitting, your quarterback and waiting is is exactly the type of stuff that you'd like to do. And the question is, is what about Jordan Love now? And you're hearing the Bengals in their practices uh, just loving Jordan Love and seeing what they saw out of him and having no problem praising him. Uh, what do you expect out of this weekend with Jordan Love, Albert? Well, when I asked Matt about it, he um... – I said to him, I'm like, you know, so you want him to see more. And that was the big thing was, like, because he hasn't been in games, like there's still experiences that he has to go through. 
And so I thought logically when I was talking to Matt about it, you know, logically, okay, like then wouldn't it make sense to kind of try to check as many of those boxes as you can in the preseason games? And um, his answer to me was, yes, but we have to balance that against who else we're putting out there, you know, which, which starters are going to be out there. So you, you want to be able to protect them and there's the injury risk. And then, um, you know, he said the other part of it was like, let's see how the joint practices go. And I think that that's sort of the piece of um, preseason that people, a lot of the, the, the more casual fans might miss is like a big reason why you're seeing fewer and fewer starters in the games is because you're seeing more and more joint practices. And a lot of coaches feel like we can get the work we would get in the preseason games in joint practices. And if we can get good work there in a controlled environment where the quarterbacks aren't getting hit, where, you know, we can you know, generate the situations we want to see, well, then the preseason games become even less necessary. And so, you know, I know going into this, Matt was I, – like, I know his intention was to – um, kind of go on feel here, and you know if he felt like they got enough good work in the joint practices with the Bengals, maybe they would scale back what they would do with him in the game. So I think that's a decision he's he was planning on taking right up to today and um, trying to figure out whether or not you know it was really necessary to get a ton of work for Jordan out there or just get his feet wet a little bit. So what's the general sense about him? I mean, he's he the, you want to talk about yeah. a quarterback to of the moment. Um, it certainly is him. What's the general sense that you're hearing about Jordan Love? I, the, it's a big we'll see. Um, you know, I, I think everybody's aware of where the bar is in Green Bay, you know, and when you have 30 years of quarterback stability with two Hall of Famers, um, you know, I, I think it's obvious what's, you know, what's going to be expected by the general public there and what it's going to be like living, you know, in that fishbowl. Um, if you're Jordan Love. And, you know, I, I think that's why, like, you know, one of the things that both he and, and, and LaFleur said to me that was so um, interesting was, like, what Aaron Rodgers text to Jordan was right before camp, you know, was be yourself. And, you know, the way Jordan t- took that was, I got to go run my own race. And I got to go play the way I know I can play. I got to, you know, just go out there and run the offense and do what's being asked of me and not try to, you know, live up to this impossible standard that's been set over the last 30 years. And, yeah, you want to get there, but, you know, the key is being able to do what he's been groomed to do, what he's been taught to do, what he's, you know, sat the last three years to do. And so um, I, I'd expect, like, that, you know, at least early on, Matt LaFleur is going to lean on his defense and his run game, and that's still a talented team. And, you know, I think Jordan Love's going to be the bus driver early on. And I think that's the right way to do it. You know, and I think that's what the expectation should be, um, you know, for him not to carry the team. And people forget, like, through Aaron Rodgers' first year and a half starting, the Packers were 10-14, and 14, you know, and then they really took off. So um, I would say, you know, like, there's a really good team around Jordan Love there, and, you know, he's lucky in that way. And um, early on, at least, you know, the idea is that he's going to, you know, be the bus driver of sorts and just try to keep the train on the tracks. And um, and then the hope is that he grows into being more than that. And then it's uh, Packers at, at uh, Bengals tonight on NFL Network at 7 Eastern time. Are we going to see Burrow on the sideline standing or not at all, seeing what is a boot? Or they just – because uh, we'll get the idea of uh, if it's been several weeks more from now or just uh, it's been a, a, only a couple of weeks since the several weeks as Zach Taylor went very cryptic 
on an update <laughs> yeah. from Burrow. Are we going to just visually see Joe tonight? Do you think? What's your two cents on that? I'm 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 not sure about that. I know that they've like kept him off his feet some. They kept him off his feet a lot early, and then it was I think. I want to say it was four or five days he was back on his feet again. Mm-hmm. So, like, where they tried to keep him, like, a little bit more, hey, let's be careful with this, let's not tweak it. It was pretty quick that they were able to get him back up on his feet. Um, he wasn't out of practice a ton. I know he'd like to be, but I know he was spending that time inside rehabbing. And he did that in order to not miss any meetings or any of the other team stuff that would go on when they weren't out on the practice field. So he could sort of, you know, do his work when the team was doing its work. Um, you know, I, I, my, my, my sense of it is there wasn't a huge level of concern that he was going to miss week one. Now, I, you know, obviously, like Jamar Chase's comments did get my attention like everybody else. Um, but, you know, I, I think the plan has been to um, be careful with him. And, um, and, look, he's typically a fast healer, but this is a different thing than the ACL or the appendicitis. And generally, I know their feeling was with most other players, the sort of injury he suffered this is a four- to six-week injury, which, you know, puts him close to the opener uh, from when he heard it. Um, but if he is, you know, on his normal track where he does feel heal fast, um, you know, I, there, there is a pretty good chance that that will put him on track to start week one. So, again, it's like sort of like this tricky thing, but I know the Bengals want to err on the, on, the, on, the, on the side of caution. And I know the other thing about it is he's proven he hasn't had a full offseason as a pro, which is mind-blowing when you think about how advanced he is as a player. Um, and while, you, you, while that sucks, it also gives you something to lean on if you're the Bengals, where you can, you know, actually have evidence and say he doesn't really need the risking it until it's absolutely necessary to have him out there on the practice field. Albert Breer, Sports Illustrated, here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk about the final game of the preseason weekend. Something you can also see on NFL Network at four Eastern Time: San Francisco at Las Vegas. How do you think we will see the? quarterback situation for the 49ers play out this weekend albert um i think i think brock brock won't play um that'd be my guess Mm -hmm. um and i think that that they're they're trying to be careful and ramping him back up and they've been very deliberate about putting him in i would say intense situations you know um they were taking him up step by step through the process when it comes to velocity and distance of throw and all of that. And my understanding is the plan was um, potentially to take the reins off fully this coming week. So the reins are still on to some degree. So that's why I think he won't play on Sunday. And then after that, I think the reins start to come off and you start to see more fully what, you know, they're planning to do with him. Um, And they've got great confidence in him. You know, like I, I, I would say there's, um, and I'm doing a big story on this on Monday, but you know, just being there the other day and talking to John and talking to Kyle about what they think of him. Um, you know, Kyle actually said to me, like, you know, for the seven full games that he played in last year, he played about as well as a quarterback could play for what we were asking him to do. And you know, Kyle was very clear; he's our starter. You know, and and uh, so step. They're planning on you know they're getting him ready for week one. They're getting him ready to be starter. At the same time, you and I both know that, you know, Kyle has um, – Kyle's as open-minded as anybody when it comes to playing guys that might be in the lineup right now or considering other options. Like, he isn't – he doesn't tie himself to one thing. So, certainly, I think, you know, again, as we've talked about the whole offseason, there's that little narrow path there 
where, you know, maybe Sam Darnold or Trey Lance could create a situation for themselves where it's like, okay, like if Brock gets hurt for two or three weeks, I, you know, Kyle will want to see them and maybe the same scenario plays out that played out last year. I wouldn't mm. completely rule that out, but they're really happy with Brock. While I think they said, you know, they've said to me, like, this was, this was, um, this has been Trey's best camp. And obviously, Sam, you can see the talent that made him the third overall pick in the first place. So, oh my gosh. So, Brock, yes. And then, and then who, right? I mean, um, yeah. And I think what it's wide open. I mean, that's my, my interpretation of it. Okay. Yeah. I think it's, I, I don't think, I don't think Trey's necessarily the number two. And, you know, obviously, if he's not the number two, that opens up other questions as well. It sure does. Like what? Go for it. Like, I mean, if somebody's willing to give him a draft pick, do you do it, you know? And do the Niners, who really, like, like Trey as a person, um, do they want to afford him the opportunity to get a fresh start somewhere else with the acknowledgement with what they think of Brock Purdy that the opportunity might not be there for him, you know? I mean, this is, as it is for all quarterbacks, year three is a big one, you know, because that's when the decision gets made on your fifth-year option. You become an el- you become eligible for an extension afterwards and all of that. Like, big decisions are made on quarterbacks after year three, um, so, you know, like if, you know, you're pretty resolute that Trey Lance isn't going to get the opportunity there, do you see if somebody's willing to flip a draft pick for him? And it might be tough to get a draft pick for him. And that's not that he can't play, but, I mean, the contract makes it a little difficult to trade him just because the next two years are guaranteed. And while it's not big money, he was the third overall pick in the draft. So it's not nothing either, you know. And so, like, that's something like that. I, you know, I think it's one of those like you know, for the Niners, we'll cross that road when he gets when we get to a type of situations. But if Sam beats him out to be the backup, then you know, it's certainly something they would consider. Albert Breer here on the Rich Eisen show. Um, I can't wait to see this play out. There's no doubt. Plus, also, you know, you could trade Trey Lance if you can bring in Philip Rivers as your third stringer, right, Albert? Like, <laughs> what's up with yeah, they that? Got him on speed dial now. What, guess, what, right? Yeah, just so so. Give me the uh, the the origins of this. When did they first reach out to Philip that you know? And for damn sure, if they'd gotten out of Philadelphia alive, he would have been signed for the Super Bowl. I'm I believe that would have happened a million percent, Albert. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw. I don't know if you saw what um what Jimmy said to our our mutual friend Mike Silver. Did you see that? Go for it. So, so Jimmy said. Jimmy said to Mike um, that he 100% would have been ready for the Super Bowl. So I guess then Philip probably would have been backing up Jimmy in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a fascinating situation. I mean, I it was funny because I was with um, I was with some one of my buddies last night. We were talking about um, you know we were talking about like has there ever been a situation quite like this? And the closest thing I could come up with was Weddle, right? Like oh, yeah. where a veteran just joins a team. Oh yeah. I think I think Weddle would be the closest thing. And Weddle wasn't just a soup. I mean, Weddle was the whole playoffs, you know. So there was at least some build up to that. And uh, I mean, Philip obviously, as, as as you know, is you know as football smart as they come. Um, but the idea that a guy would just join a team like uh, you know a couple of weeks before the Super Bowl is is really wild to think about. Now, but how how could Jimmy have been ready for the Super Bowl if he wasn't even ready for his own press conference in Las Vegas due to the foot? Um, Albert, well, and I know surgery you know, happened, but, but that, come on. I mean, really? He would have been ready yeah. for playing the Super well, Bowl. So that, so that was the whole idea, though, Rich. Like, that was the thing. Like, so when they made the decision not to do the surgery in December, my understanding of it was, like, 
we want to keep the mo- most doors open, right? Mm-hmm. And so there were really two reasons why they put off. They, they, they said, we're not doing the surgery now. And there was a chance he wasn't going to need the surgery at all, but they all knew it was a possibility. Right. Um, the, first, the first thing was to leave open that possibility, that he could come back and potentially play in a conference title game or a Super Bowl. So that was part of it. Um, and then the second piece of it was Jimmy himself wanted to leave open the possibility that he, if he didn't need the surgery, that he could go to a new team and then he'd have a full off season program with that new team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously they kept that hope alive all the way up until he signed with the Raiders. Then he goes and does the physical and they're like, no, no, no. Like we want you to have the surgery yeah, now. Right. Let's not mess around with this. But that was, but that was the idea. The idea was, all right, I want to leave open the possibility for myself that I'm going to go to a new team and I'm not going to need the surgery, and then I'm going to get a chance to assimilate over April and May and June and get all the work I need in. in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, like obviously the Raiders made the decision that – and the Raiders' doctors made the decision that that wasn't the right way to go. And so Jimmy was limited to kind of the mental work. And he did a lot of stuff with Devontae Adams and everything else to get himself up to speed mentally. But that, you know, was the decision the Raiders made that – he was better off having the surgery than getting the physical work in in the spring. Okay, in the few minutes I have left with you here, um, let's talk about the running backs. Jacobs obviously won't be playing in this weekend. He's not even signing his tender. And Dalvin Cook is putting out some videos of him looking really spry. And Zeke is still sitting at home. And Kareem Hunt left Indianapolis, now left two places where he kicked tires and didn't sign a contract. And Leonard Fournette sitting out there. You know, when is rubber going to meet the road? I mean, the NFL's coming, and I know these guys don't want to be in training camp. They might be waiting to see injuries. Uh, what do you got for me on this front? Right I was going to say, I was going to say, Rich. It seems like some people like are, uh, some of the running backs and the edge rushers out there are uh, executing the old Walter Jones plan. Do you remember that? Yes, um, I hear where, you. Where the Seahawks would. Pr- the Seahawks would franchise him every year, and then he would uh, exactly he would say, "Okay, I'm not signing that until training camp's over." Right, exactly. Um, so, and then, know, and then, you, by the way, and even mentioned Jonathan Taylor, who who leaves the team to rehab on his own. Like, what's that about? Yeah, Albert, come on. Yeah, I, I, I think that that shows you how ugly that situation's gotten. And obviously, I think you know what exacerbated that situation is obviously what happened right there at the franchise tag tag deadline. With all of the with all of the um, with with all of the the tagged guys with Jacobs and Barkley and and uh, and well not so much Pollard but Pollard mm-hmm. was one of the guys who was tagged. Um, I, I think it's going to be a little like the edge rusher situation where um, I believe Yannick Ngakwe was the first one to sign and then after Ngakwe signs you start to see things spring loose a little bit with you know guys like Justin Houston and you see Clowney going and doing visits now. I think it's going to take one guy to jump and I think part of the problem is. You know, these guys are used to making more money than they're being offered now, so they want to make sure they don't shortchange themselves. And, like, you know, guys like Cook and, and Zeke are used to making big money, you know, like eight figures a year. And a lot of times it's tough for veteran players to reckon with the idea of making a fraction of that. And so they want to keep, keep the idea alive. Well, maybe somebody has an injury somewhere, something happens. And I think, you know, as the weeks pass, it winds up becoming a game of musical chairs. And I think that's what's playing out here is once one of them signs, you'll start to see those dominoes fall. But it takes one for that to happen. And obviously that hasn't happened yet. Okay, Zach Martin, Chris Jones, are they just going to have to eat it? Because it certainly seems like management's telling them to right now. It's 
I think those are two separate situations, but I think in both cases it's wild how much money those guys are giving up to make their point. I'm really I'm blown away, and I, I guess you can respect the principle. I you know I think they're both over a million dollars in fines now, which is crazy. Um, you know I I think Zach Martin that eventually gets done with some sort of adjustment to his deal. Chris Jones is a little bit more difficult because it's a new deal, and the Chris Jones situation. There's a very specific problem here. There's an Aaron Donald problem, okay? And on one end, you have what Aaron Donald got when he was leveraging retirement against the Rams, which was a complete outlier of a contract, right? Way above what any defensive tackle had gotten. And then you have, like, where the rest of the market is. And you see what, you know, what Jeffrey Simmons got from the Titans and what Quinn and Williams got from the Jets. And so basically where the divide there is, you got the Chiefs willing to pay him at that market rate. Like, we'll give you a bump over what Quinn and Williams and, and Jeff Simmons got, right? And he's like, no, no, no. I'm like Aaron Donald. I'm over here. And because he's already gotten a second contract, he's got the financial wherewithal to say, I'm willing to sit out to make you do it. And that, because of that, that's become a little bit of a staring contest. So a little bit like, and I, a lot of the listeners won't remember this, but, you know, almost 10 years ago now, like the Calvin Johnson contract was a complete outlier at receiver. And it wound up making negotiations for players like Des Bryant and Demarius Thomas really, really difficult. I think we're in the same sort of situation with Chris Jones right now. And, um, you know, I don't know what's going to give, but um, it's hard to doubt the resolve of a man who's willing to walk away from seven figures to make his point. Albert, greatly appreciate the time. Greatly um, uh, drive safe, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll chat again soon. Thanks, brother. Awesome. Thanks, Rich. I appreciate it. Must follow at Albert Breer on, uh, on Twitter. Go check him out right there. Jonathan Taylor shows you how ugly it is. Hey, uh, first Monday night of the season, one month from today. This stuff's going to have to get answered soon. Like this whole business of us talking about it and not getting answers is about to be over. 844-204-RICH, number to dial. That's next. This is The Rich Eisen Show. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. We're here in Kansas City in support of the Big Slick Charity Weekend. Thank you for doing this. This is amazing that you brought your whole show here. 
whole show is here in Kansas City in support of Big Slick. I want to describe for the radio audience, or would you care to, Jake Tapper, what is on your feet? Eagles, uh, Super Bowl commemorative sneakers with big screaming eagles. I'm not really sure what the texture of the material is. Okay. I have a more subtle reference to my team. This is the silver of the silver and black Oakland Raiders. Gene Lamont, longtime uh, baseball man. Sweet, sweet, sweet Gene Lamont (laughs) made the sorry mistake of standing in front of us. The name Lamont is so fun to scream. Hey, Lamont! See? It just rolls. And you go, this is Bush League, Lamont! <laughs> when he used to come out, we used to sing like the, the Death Star march, like the Darth Vader. We'd go, Gene Lamont, Gene Lamont. Oh, Gene Lamont, Gene Lamont, Gene Lamont. <laughs> I know how seriously you take your Kansas City uh, food. Yeah. He's sending me videos all the time, different, different stuff to try and... The, the text exchange between me and him and some of his other offensive linemen is hilarious. Like, I texted Mitchell Schwartz in the middle of the night about a brisket. Like, what and is I going responded. on? And I responded. For whatever reason, I was up at that exact time. Weirdly, athletes like Pitch Perfect a lot. I'm, I'm not kidding. Yeah, I know Bill kidding. Belichick knows all the songs. <laughs> He's always singing He's the always, songs. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Brett, when you saw that we had the 2015 World Series trophy. I'm a trophy, big fan of that one, but I know. Where's that other one that... Uh, that the, the old guy. Uh, the 1985, 1985 one. We will replace the 2015 <laughs> one with the 1985 one. Oh, uh, look at one. this. Uh, look at that. Just, just for you. Just the best. My dad had some tickets to Game 7, but had given them away. So I didn't get to go to Game 7, and instead I had to work at a grocery store. I'd come up, I'd say, what happened? He goes, Daryl Motley just hit a home run. Go rearrange the milk. Fun stuff. <laughs> we got to go back with the show. Has to, that's man. a Has that's to. a life goal. Okay, back here on the Rich Eisen Show, along with our Roku channel stream, uh, Terzo and I will all rise. Let's take his phone call as always here on a Friday. What's up, Terzo? Terzo. Hey, what's up, Rich? Hey guys, uh, Rich. First, I want to get to I want to get to Phil Mickelson here in a second because I got a funny story for you. But I want to go back to you kind of ripping out my heart talking about that NFC Championship game. If they would have just called or threw the challenge flag when Devontae Smith. Did not catch that ball. Yeah, I believe that game would have played out completely different because I don't think Purdy would have been in that situation to get his arm hurt. How about that? You're really you're just, really just digging deep. I, I do remember that. I was I was mystified why there was no challenge call. I mean, I, I, you just don't want to use one so early on in a game. But that that struck me as uh, turnover on downs or not. Let's roll. And that was a big moment. Big moment. I agree with you. What what do you got for me on the fill front? What do you think? All right, so. I'm kind of like Brockman. I like to, you know, I like to place a couple bets here and there. But in law school, um, studying for the bar, just grinding, grinding. And I'm about ready to break, and I'm sitting there with my buddy Rob, and I go up to the whiteboard, and I write out all 14 MLB games for the day. I place $100 on each of the games over under. Just to get my mind off of studying for the bar, one of the goofiest moments I ever had, went 9-5, and five, which was nice. So it, it, it kind of changed my mind. But to think of the m- amount of money that Phil was going with, it is insane. And it just gives me anxiety because it makes me think of Uncut Gems with uh, Adam Sandler. <laughs> that movie was just so intense. It, it, it just has to be that feeling for him. Well, I appreciate the call, Terzo. Didn't you say before the show, Chris, that uh, somebody who had uh, Phil's annual uh, yeah. revenue of sixty million, maybe for for playing golf and everything, uh, endorsements, endorsements, and, everything. That this was this would be the equivalent of somebody making hundred thousand dollars betting what? One hundred and fifty dollars per bet. All right. So not outrageous, but enough, you know enough to make you nervous. 
Well, I guess, you know, would Terzo have bet on himself to, like, if somebody took a wager on him passing the bar? Or, like, during a case? Winning a case? Yeah. yeah. Kind of what that's. Because, again, Phil like. tweeted out yesterday, you know, in response to everything going on with the Billy Walters book, saying that I never bet on the Ryder Cup, even though Walters said he was going to, but got talked out by Walters in yeah. doing so. While it's well known that I always enjoy a friendly wager on the course, I would never undermine the integrity of the game. I've also been very open about my gambling addiction. I have previously conveyed my remorse, took responsibility, have gotten help, have been fully committed to therapy that has positively impacted me, and I feel good about where I am now. It's good for him. Obviously, like, hey, that's his life. It's his bank account. It's his this life. His it's money. whatever. you know. But you know, clearly you can lose your head in, in the heat of the moment. Like, say, uh, hit a ball while it's still moving. Because you can't make a putt in the U.S. Open, you know. Honestly, you know, like you can. Yep, that happened. Also, Phil talks about gotten help. It's under control. No, I know that. The video came out three days ago of him talking to DeChambeau know, about like, like five G's on a practice round. But if he can afford it, I guess two salute, and that's what people are saying. So, what's the big deal if you bet on yourself? I, I don't know. I just think to myself, like you, you play in the Ryder Cup because it's a privilege, and you're doing it for your country. And that's if that's not enough of a toast of an action, you got to make money off of it. Also, reportedly, that's why four hundred thousand. That's why I called it an illness. And in terms of you know his, I guess his colleagues, his uh, fellow players, like if they have any sympathy or whatever from, uh, let's check on what Rory McIlroy has to think about this story. Rory? The talk of the golf world is this book excerpt that came out uh, about Phil Mickelson. I'm curious what the. Your reaction, what the reaction in there was when you read about it? Um, I mean, at least he can bet on the Ryder Cup this year because he won't be a part of it. So, Rory locked and loaded. Top on that rope, one. Rory. <laughs> top <laughs> rope, Rory. Richard the King Petty. Petty. That's at the that's top. A, of that's a, that's Richard that's the King, King Petty right there. Yeah. So good. <laughs> Does Rory hate the live tour? Yes or no? Should we put that on our Twitter uh, on our Twitter account for a poll question? Ding, ding, ding. Does he hate Phil and the live tour? <laughs> Damn. Yo. <laughs> but that is that is an A plus uh, comment. Well done, Jake Tapper. Coming up next on the Rich Eisen show. But yeah, man. Whoa, huh? Hey. But it, honestly, you're you're hearing the conversation of like, what does it matter? I I saw you know responses to. My opinion on it, which is it's an illness. And uh, if he wants to deal with it or not, in the manner that he says he has dealt with it, that he's in a good place, you know what? You could also say he's probably in a good place because the Saudis dug him out of a hole financially. Unless he didn't have to. You're saying he made all this money that he was betting? What do you, how much money did he lose? $100 million? He, right? he bet a billion and lost $100 million? Yeah. <laughs> so does, you know. You're in the hole. I mean, you're losing. Could you imagine, though, just, like, betting that much money on stuff? That's nuts. No. And then you keep on chasing it, right? Yep. I mean, that that's what it is. Oh, I'm going to get it back. I'm going to get it back. And then, then you, the bet NFL more, weekend, you bet more, you bet more, you bet more. You have a, you have a bad Sunday? Now we got a Monday night game. The whole thing is then you start yeah, doing things true. that you might not ordinarily do to keep chasing it. <laughs> uh, that's... That was a whole Sopranos episode. I know. I just saw that the other day. As you know, I'm watching the the final season of The Sopranos right now. The whole episode. You know, he goes up to Carm, his wife, and asks her to use the proceeds of the house that she finally sold to bet on the Jets against the Chargers because it was a sure thing. You get crazy. Things are happening. Yeah. Just don't ask Rory. (laughs) Phil. 
The bridge loan? Whoa. Rory Petty? Yeah. Rory Petty. <laughs> well <laughs> <Stop> done. <Rory. laughs>